0: Well, down here in the Southern Hemisphere, super rugby has been ravaged, particularly in New Zealand, with COVID. However, in the Northern Hemisphere, the Six Nations travels on. It goes to the last round. We saw it last year, where it goes into the final, final matches. There are three games, and we still don't know who's going to be a clear winner. Last year, when England upset France, it led Wales to a Six Nations title. The same thing could happen again if Ireland beat Scotland and England beat France again. So John Kerwin, Jim Kayes. I want to talk about the Six Nations. I want to talk about the competition itself. I want to talk about the fact that all the big wigs of world rugby have been in the Northern Hemisphere. Mark Robinson as well. I think Hamish McLennan from the Australian Rugby Union, he'll be there with Andy Marinos. They will all be discussing the future of What's going to happen for Sansa? What's going to happen around the Nations Cup? If that's a real thing, is there a global club competition going on? Also just been announced there's a four-year deal being struck between Sky Sports UK to cover once again the rugby championship, to cover Super Rugby, to cover the Curry Cup and the NPC. So it appears as though we're going to have status quo in some ways in the Southern Hemisphere in terms of competitions. What does this all mean by 2025? Are we going to have some sort of club competition? I'll start with you, JK. Um, Look, the six nations that start there, that start with this weekend coming up. And once again, it probably has proved why it's such a good competition. And maybe this is why South Africa want to get involved when for the second year running, results will determine who a champion is. And it hasn't been already decided after four games.
1: Well, I can answer. Look, there's, there's a multitude of questions you just asked me. So I'll start with the competition first. Um, for us in the Southern Hemisphere, if you haven't experienced the Six Nations, it is one of the greatest competitions you can go to as a fan. It is amazing. I mean, people fly to the city where Six Nations are without tickets just to enjoy the atmosphere. It is an amazing competition, right? And it's an amazing competition because it's got tribalism and traditionalism, and every year there's so much pressure on that you don't know who's going to win. So it comes down to the last weekend, right? So for me, the the most important thing about this weekend is I believe Ireland and France are two contenders to win the next World Cup. And they're going to have to win under pressure in this type of competition, in these moments, to be able to win the World Cup. I keep harping back to, um, you know, to... So what was it? 2000 and 2001 and two thousand and one and two thousand and two, when the English team came down here and beat us on our own soil. Um, you know, even when they had got, got yellow carded in Wellington. So to answer your story, I think France are quite possibly one of the best sides complete I've seen. You know, they've got uh, amazing defence, and they they um, you know they've taken a guy who doesn't even speak French over there from Wales, um, you know, the what's-his-name, the famous league guy. I, keep, I, can't, I don't know why I can't remember his name. It's probably my age. So so rugby-wise, I think um, Ireland and France need to win this weekend, and I think they will. I don't think England is up to beating this French side. But if this French side win, they need to go to number one in the world and they'll be um, amazing favourites for the World Cup. The second point, and I'll probably throw it a Jim before I get to my second point, about the comp itself and um, what by mistake that I've actually created um, is important. So from a rugby point of view, I think these two teams are outstanding, Jim. Sean Edwards.
0: Sean Edwards is the coach you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I apologise. <coughs> apologise, Sean. I saw your face. Um, and I, I would remember your name, but I'm just getting old, bro. He, a,
2: a he was a very good defensive coach for Wales as well. Uh, and he loved a press conference. He loved to explode in press conferences. I remember after an All Blacks test, he just sat there and he got more and more red. He looked like a, a cartoon beetroot. And then for no reason whatsoever, no one asked him a question. He just interrupted and just ranted, absolutely ranted about the All Blacks cheating and the referee missing all of the cheating. Uh, so, yeah, Sean Edwards, and he used to be uh, married to the woman from M People. You know, old M People, the rock band. There you go. There's a bit of trivia for you. Moving on up. Indian. No, M People. M People. You know, that's weird. I uh, read a feature on him, really amazing feature oh, okay. on him, and, and, and how he was a working-class lad who'd grown up and was now filthy rich and had to send his kid to this posh school, and it didn't sit well with him. Uh, but anyway, uh, look, it was, it's a fantastic competition, as you say. Uh, and I agree with you that France have to win at home. The big question mark for me at the at the World Cup is: Will how will France cope with, respond to, be inspired by, or be broken by the being at home and and the crowd support and all of the pressure that goes? That we know it's it, France have flattered to deceive at some World Cups and been in more World Cup finals, I think, than any other team that hasn't won it. Uh, so. For me, JK, seeing them really under the blowtorch now where they have to win to win the competition is going to be a real guide for how they go next year at home with all of that adulation, with all of that pressure mounting behind them as firm favourites.
1: Jim, 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 Jim. Here we go. You need to think like someone with Latin blood, right? You're thinking like a Kiwi. No. But Latins at home, mate, have you never heard about home and away? They always win at home. And they lose away. They love home mate. This is this is an X factor for the French team next year. Hang on hang, they love... hang on, hang on.
2: I was there at Stade de France when they got beaten forty five six by the All Blacks. So don't tell me they always respond to being at home. They get smashed by the All Blacks at home sometimes.
1: It was a World
2: Cup. No, it wasn't a World Cup. But what I'm saying is this will be an indicator as to whether this young French team can cope with the pressure of being favourites at home because they'll be favourites against England and they'll be favourites going into the World Cup. Look what happened to yeah, Ireland when they were favourites at the last World Cup.
0: Yeah, but this I think is, is almost the perfect storm for France because you're getting the right, right tests along the way, the right learning opportunities as a team. The pressure of performing at home and expectations are that this is a winner-take-all result for them, given the fact we expect Ireland, though, to get over Scotland, and Scotland are not to be underestimated. But there's some things we can take for granted. To your point, JK, to me, this discussion is as much about the competition, about obviously clearly why South Africa feel as though they would love to be a part of this competition, given the nature. And I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. But the fact they keep ble- they keep talking about it, but we've seen that this, like you say, this four-year deal has been struck. So clearly, Sanzara in itself is still working together. Argentina, New Zealand, Australia, and South Africa. But, JK, and, and we've talked about this, and we keep talking about this, is it time for us, we need to create our own Six Nations? Because let's be clear, Italy have never, have they ever been in a position to not uh, to win the Six Nations, no, they haven't. They've never been in the positions to win it. So,
1: them no. being in it is still <laughs> important,
0: right? It's been important. So, is it time for us to create, try and create our own pressure? Now, the the big and Jim, you, we talked we talked on the phone about this yesterday. Was big difference when everyone's only going to travel a few hours to play to play games versus if you try and create something that includes Japan, includes. Fiji, if it includes those four... We're talking some significant distances to travel. But maybe is it time we maybe explore this? And will this Nations Cup idea almost force that upon the, the countries to go out and go, you know what, we need to explore this because there's going to be a series of qualifying games if you're going to go to a Nations Cup. This is something they've mooted in between World Cup years, in that middle year. So you know, I look at it as, do we need to expand that further? Does it put more pressure. You talk about pressure. What if you knew that the Test match against the Wallabies, that one-off every year, was for the Bledisloe Cup? And it was each year you're alternating home and away because that's significant as well.
1: Let, let, me, let me just tell you something that I believe. South Africa are going to the Northern Hemisphere for the wrong reasons. It's called money. Right? The Six Nations by default, is the greatest competition in the world because if you're going 100 years, it's always in the same window. People love it. You get to to support your nation. You get to fly to Scotland and do that, right? So South Africa going north is only for money. It's the wrong reasons. Do not break the competition up. I believe in having a second tier and a play in and play out so that Romania and those guys can get up there. But my, my trouble is we're doing things for money a lot. For example, why the hell do we play Aussie three times? Let's Our Six Nations is Fiji, Japan, Australia, Argentina, New Zealand, South Africa. You play each other round-robin like the Six Nations, and we're done. We're done. Stop making up shit to make money. The third game against Aussie is about money, and no one cares about it, because we've already got the Bledisloe Cup. A one-off? Man, I'm thinking, a one-off? You know, the Aussies can get up and beat us on a one-off. So... We are, we are looking at the game, I believe, strategically wrong. We are looking at it about where the money is and how we can make money to sustain a game that I don't think has still sorted out the pathway to wealth, right? So the only other thing I'm, I'm worried about is if we keep adding national games, like three games against Aussie, this game on the way to Europe because we need to make money, what happens is the players get tired, everyone gets a bit disillusioned, there's nothing on them. We need to also have a pathway, like the UEFA Euro- Wafer Cup. So last night, I'm sitting back with a very, very good bottle of red wine, by the way, <laughs> um, with a whole bunch of Italians, and we're talking about how much money there is in the, in, the, in the European Championship Wafer Cup. So Paris Saint-Germain, right, if they qualify and if they make the, 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 the final and win their Wafer Cup, they get $60 million, Right? That's a club competition. We don't have anything under our national team to create money. That's our problem. So all the national teams are, are money-grabbing because they've got to support the rest of the game. Let's also have a competition underneath that where the super rugby teams can play, Saracens can play that. I don't know how we do that, but we're not creating enough money. In Europe, the clubs...
2: <laughs> you just said that, that everything was orientated around money and now you're saying that we're not doing enough to create money.
1: Which one do you want them to do? No, I'm saying to you, if you listen, Jim, that we are making decisions at the national level to create money to support the losing of money of the rest of the teams, right? The the Blues lose money. If you play, win the Super Rugby, you don't get nothing. You get 100 grand. Like, there is no structure. It's all national centric. Now, money is an equals, right? If you have great competition, if you have tribalism and traditionalism, if you have things that people want to go to, the result is, more sponsorship money, more crowds, blah, blah, blah. What's happening in our country at Super Rugby level? It's going backwards. So money is an equal. We all need money. I get that. But you don't make a decision around money. That's what the point of am trying to make. Right?
2: Well, I think South Africa was, they've lost 39% of their broadcast revenue uh, 2019 into 2020. And obviously that's COVID hit and those sorts of things. But that's not sustainable for a country where the RAND – is already in the toilet. So it doesn't surprise me that they've been making overtures towards the Six Nations. But to your earlier point, Goldie, it'll be interesting to see whether they follow through on that now that uh, the Rugby Championship has been sold again to Sky Up North, because broadcasters and broadcasting money, as, as we all know, has a huge say in the format of competitions. So if the broadcasters say, actually, we'd like you to stay in the rugby championship, South Africa, because that increases the value of the rugby championship, we've already got an extremely valuable six nations already. We don't want to dilute one competition when it's really not going to have a manifest, you know, it's not going to make a huge difference to the six nations. Uh, I would be very surprised if the broadcasters supported south africa leaving the rugby championship and i'd be even more surprised if they don't turn around and say to south africa Oi, stay exactly where you are because we'd rather have two really strong competitions than you leaving and you dilute one of them
1: look look there's another question i, I want to ask both of you right starting with you goldie um silver lakes and CVC didn't buy us because they like rugby mate no they bought it because it's viable businesses right? They bought it to make money so already they, there was a statement came out of the IRB, uh, the World Rugby, a little while ago saying um, CVC and Six Nations Rugby have, dis, have have made a joint statement that South Africa are not going to join us. I mean, Silver Lakes have brought us to expand their media portfolio. CVC have brought the Six Nations to expand. but So they will become part of the decision making, right? They are going to want the championship to be, Silver Lakes are going to want to create a tournament where the crowds are full, right? Where the competition is, is really well clearly understood and people love doing it, right? If if there was a, if there were All Blacks were playing Fiji, I'd be on a plane and go and watch them. I'd say to my wife, "This is a great opportunity. Let's go. Let's go and watch a game of footy. Pass us three or four days and dinner out and have a good time." That's the type of thing you want to create. That's why I wanted my Pacifica to be in Samoa, because if there was a Minor Pacifica Blues game, I'd be going up there with my mates and staying in hotels and having a few beers because that, I mean, imagine this. You talk about going to Rome. I, I was with the mayor of Rome once, right? A- <laughs> um, and he said to me, Jacob, I love Six Nations. I said, why you, you're a soccer player, what are you talking about? He said, it brings ten million euro to our city on a weekend. And that was fifteen years ago, right? And this is you think about you think about rugby being in the Pacific being in Fiji. I mean people would be fascinated with that and yet we're too scared to go, let's just go down our pathway. We are the we're a Pacific Island, you know? Well, you know got me started. I was really cruisy this morning. I was relaxed, had a good night last night, feeling good, then
0: I see Jim and he winds me up. Oh, stop it. Stop it, JK. I can see you, you're charging around that room. You need to have a sit down. Just have we sit down, <laughs> relax, chill out. I mean, look, look, I get where you're coming from. Look, I, I think, I just asked this question, though. You think about rugby itself and in, in in those six nations that we are talking about. Now, this is not in any way looking to exclude Samoa or Tonga, but really we feel as though Fiji would be the most ready um, and, and with what they're managing to already achieve in super rugby, there's some growth from the, for the draw. But I start going about sheer population, though. Sheer population and the fact that where the games sit in those countries that you're talking about. So And if you go the Northern Hemisphere, you talk about the way that they've connected their game, their club game through to their national team, the number of games that their players play. But then you go, South Africa doesn't have the strength in its country right now. So many players are headed offshore. Australia, rugby itself has a very, it doesn't have a strong foothold in terms of its fan base. It doesn't have the huge popularity that their other major sports have. In Japan, you wouldn't say it's it's obviously dearly loved. Um, And then we're only a, a population of 5 million JK. And that's where I have my little bit of concern around the fact that it appears as though given all of those things you're talking about, is there going to be that ability for those whether it be clubs first and then unions, to generate their income you're talking about. You're, we're not talking 80,000 people at them right, at Principality Stadium. And we're talking, they are vast, vast grounds. There's huge numbers of people, huge economies in and around rugby. Is, is it ever going to be the same, Jim, where we are? Argentina, secondary sport behind football. You know, like, it's not like they're the number one, number one, so when you start talking about sponsorships you start talking about fan bases and all of those major things will it have the same impact that a six nations has created if you did could could that be done could you see the same amount of money or is it about pure and simply the broadcasting opportunity the broadcasting rights well broadcasting would be a part of it but broadcasting has been
2: problematic in in the pacific um you guys know that very well Uh, i know that when the blues went to Samoa for for that game. It didn't work out well for them uh, when the – now who was it? The Highlanders or the Crusaders had their home games in Fiji and that was underwritten. We all we all support it. I was there for when the All Blacks played Samoa and it was one of the coolest days of rugby you will ever experience. I think you were there too, Goldie. Uh, yep. RPS Central was absolutely deserted. You know, it was a fantastic week. Building up to, and as JK said, you'd take, you'd take a group of mates or family over there and you'd have an amazing week. But from a commercial perspective, it's very difficult to make money out of those games. From a broadcasting perspective, it's a very expensive process to, to broadcast those games. So infrastructure would have to be massively ramped up uh, in Fiji if, if this was to follow through. But once it's done, it's done. So once you do have that infrastructure in place, it's in place. So I think it's a great idea. I think having a Six Nations that included Fiji would be fantastic. The only problem is what would that then do to rugby in Samoa and Tonga? Would it absolutely you know, decimate them? Would they then be back in, in the situation that they've been in for the past 25 years of having no decent competition, no decent rugby to
1: play? Um, yeah, when I talk about, when, just to answer that, when I talk about money, I, I talk about equals, right? So two plus two equals four. So two plus two equals money, right? So, for example, I watched the UEFA Cup. I watched Real the other day uh, play Paris Saint-Germain. I'm on the other side of the world. What I'm saying is, though, if the our six nations included Fiji and you're a supporter of rugby in France, would you buy that to see the All Blacks play in Fiji under 35-degree heat against the Fijian side? Now, let me add the equals. The Fijian side has now the Drua have now been in um they've now been in Super Rugby two years. You know, you you support Toulon, you've got two Fijians playing in the back line, right? The Fijian side in the 23-3 World Cup made the top four, right? All of a sudden you're going, two plus two equals six, right? So you build the infrastructure and then people go, Fiji, and you know what else? The French people go, oh, I'm gonna go down to New Zealand and I'm gonna stop off in Fiji. It's a equals so when I talk about strategy, you've got to go, we, we know there's only 500,000 or 1,000 million people, whatever there is in Fiji, I don't know the numbers. And we know that it's not financially viable. But as a story and as a product we're selling, man, that, makes, that resonates with me. And the other question I want to ask you is, why are we always beating up on Safra? What can we do to help them at the moment? What can we do to help them stay in our competition and feel loved and try and solve some of their problems? How can we do? that? Well, we just kicked them out. The New Zealand rugby and kicked them out, didn't they?
2: Look back to Fiji. I totally agree, totally one hundred percent agree. And and I mean, I don't think you'd find a a rugby journalist in New Zealand for the last thirty years hasn't been prattling on about how it's been the Pacific has been done a disservice. So yeah, absolutely, we need to include them in the in the competition. Absolutely. In terms of South Africa. There's a lot. There's an incinerated bridge that needs to be rebuilt between New Zealand rugby and South African rugby. Uh, it's probably an. Is it worse or, or just as bad as the incinerated bridge that there is across the Tasman? Uh, I think both of those countries need to be helped. Australian rugby needs to be helped. Our game is too small for decent teams to fall out the back door. Now I'm not saying that's happening with South Africa or with the Wallabies, but at a club level it is. I remember interviewing Brendan Nell, a South African journalist, about four or five years ago, and he said to me, there were 350 super rugby players not playing in South Africa. 350. So somehow we need to to get back to playing them on a more regular basis. I think it's a pity that South Africa's not involved in super rugby. It wasn't always the most attractive rugby, but it provided a different style of rugby for our players to play. And and I think over time we'll see an impact on the All Blacks if we continue to not play the South Africans on a regular basis.
1: I'm sorry to harp on about this, but we need the UEFA Cup model. They need to play their Curry Cup. We need to play our rugby Aotearoa, and we can add. And then we need, after five weeks, and the thing needs to go all season, we need to break into pools and we need to have an African pool with a New Zealand pool with a Fijian pool, right? We need to do that because it's the only way we can do it logistically. Like if you think about super rugby for a South African side, super rugby bleeds money. It's a cost, right? So the first thing you do in a business when you look at something, you look at your biggest costs, right? And super rugby, what would be the use in winning it if you're at a South African side? Is there a million dollar purse up? Is there, do I get any television rights? Now, I don't know how they work in in South Africa, but Sanzar need to start covering up some of these television rights and giving them to the franchises so they can start building a business. And then they need to give them a competition where they can sell that business. Until we do that, we're, we're going to be going around in the same circles. And the South African Rugby Union is going to go, we've got 620 players overseas, by the way. But they're going to go, well, actually, we can't retain them. And for me to send the Sormers around the world, because you've got to remember, for New Zealanders, we travel once. They go away for six weeks during Super Rugby to play in, play in the Super Cup. Super Rugby its just, like, ridiculous. Yeah. I so think- you, I mean, if we all sat around and actually organised this properly, where they play the Curry Cup, we play Rugby Aotearoa, that we couldn't organise a tournament that was really cool to follow and a little bit
0: simpler than travelling around the world on a plane, Yeah, but I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, that Super Rugby in itself, you know, the the cost of going between South Africa, Argentina, yeah, they were prohibitive. They were, it was an incredibly expensive um, process. But the trouble that I I see with, with some of the things that we're dealing with is the international windows aren't clear enough. And they're not creating, I don't think, any interest in the game. That's why I think the Nations Cup is actually a really good idea. And and I know, J.K., you go on about, okay, you know, we, we, we continue to focus very heavily on the Test match game, right? But the Test match revenue for the All Blacks is so significant. We haven't found a way, yet we haven't created this competition. We've tried to expand. What we've got at the moment is with. there's no doubt that there's, there's an element of interest. The diehards are still there. But the fact of the matter is we're going to need... More than that, I believe, to bring people back to the stadiums, not just to watch on televisions, the ones to bring them back to the stadiums, to bring the interest of, you know, if you do it just in New Zealand, is that enough? Is that enough competition with what we've even created with this Trans-Tasman to bring people back to the grounds, which is what you'll travel for? You don't travel for to watch it on TV. You travel to go to the event. Well, right now, the event doesn't live up to it. The event, that, like you say, the hype doesn't live up to it. You know, the fact that if the best Japanese team comes down to play the Blues, is that going to create enough hype? Is there enough of an event surrounding it? I think that's one of the biggest challenges we have right now. And the other side of it is this international window thing about the players have to be available. And until World Rugby gets a handle of the fact that the very best Fijians, the very best Tongans, they've made that decision allowing players to come back and switch countries, I think, which is great after a, a stand down period. Gives those those teams to strengthen with some more experienced players. But I think it's a significant part of it. I think a lot of this should fall well and well, truly. We've had Bill Beaumont on the breakdown before. Uh, f- falls with them, right? If they can't get those windows under control, if they can't create something which is gonna generate some interest, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure the direction that we go, Jim. I really I really don't know because it starts, we've always said it starts from the very, very top, right? Whether it be laws, structures of competitions, it starts from the very, very top. Can can we in New Zealand, can New Zealand rugby and Silver Lake, um, when they get on board, which is inevitable, you feel, can they change the course? Look, we need a revolution in rugby because at the moment we are a, a professional
2: game that still behaves like it's, like it's amateur. So... One of the great stories in any sport that you that both of you follow in Europe and America is transfers. We don't even have any interest in talking about that in New Zealand. Boat wants to go to the Blues. We have Andrew Hall from the Blues saying, oh, I'll only talk about players who are contracted to the Blues. Dead story. If that was happening in basketball, if that was happening in football in Europe, it would be a huge, huge story. So that's one thing. We need to pull our heads out of the sand and get with it and realise that stories – that interest in rugby isn't just around what happens out on the field. After talking with you guys last week, I rang one of the the, uh, bosses of one of the uh, super rugby clubs to ask about apparel, about merchandise. Because uh, when Ronaldo went to Man U, they paid his fees within a couple of days of selling merchandise. I was told by one of the CEOs that they make $8,000 a year in royalties from merchandise. From what they're paid from New Zealand rugby, eight thousand dollars. That is ridiculous. You know, that, that, who was the model that wouldn't get out of bed for less than ten, for more? You know, less than ten thousand dollars. I mean, that, that's that's just crazy. So that needs to change. We need to have shirts that have got Bowdoin Barrett Blues number ten on the back of it and make him a superstar. But our players' association won't allow that to happen. Then we go to the game. If you want punters to go to the game they need to understand what's happening in the game. Everything needs to be broadcast in the stadium so that you know why penalties happen at the bottom of a ruck. Because we send people to our game and they don't understand what is happening in that game. Then we need to play our superstars all of the time and we need to have seasons that make sense so that you can get excited about it. You know, Can you imagine turning up and LeBron's not playing and you're paid to watch his team play? It's just We just need to, and New Zealand can do this on its own. New Zealand could start, could lead the way, could start talking about transfers, could start talking about a player's worth, could start promoting some of their players, could have the referee mic'd up to the stadium. We don't need Bill Beaumont to sanction that. New Zealand rugby could sanction that. New Zealand rugby could again be the leaders. We used to be the leaders. Who was the guy? Was it Lou Prime, JK, who suddenly brought rock and roll to Auckland games and we had all this music blaring at Eden Park and, and, and it was a fun place to be. We need to revolutionise and reinvent the game and look at what's happening overseas and go, hang on, 80 minutes from whistle to whistle, that's important, but it's a very small part of what excites fans about the game.
1: The the, And look, Jim, I think, and to answer your question um, around world rugby, they are in charge of the national game, world rugby, right? Now, What the real problem is, is Sanzar right now is dysfunctional. They act like the Kremlin, right? You can't get any information out. We're not transparent. We're not talking and helping each other as Sanzar. I mean, there's a massive bust up. Last year, publicly, they had a bust up. You know, Australia was throwing New Zealand under the bus and then New Zealand throwing them under the bus and we just ignored South Africa. Because I think we are too worried about our own backyard. In fact, worrying about... The bigger problem at the moment, and that's in the Southern Hemisphere, because I think rugby in the Northern Hemisphere is in very, very good condition at the moment. I could be wrong, but the way I see it, when I watch um, French rugby, Goldie, I see full crowds in Toulouse and Toulon. You know, I see this game that embraces foreigners. You know, it would be very, very different if you said before, you said, would I go and watch Suntory play the Blues? Well, if Bowdoin Barrett was playing for Suntory and he was allowed to be picked for the the All Blacks, yeah, I would. Of course I would, because there'd be five superstars. And then maybe South African, instead of going north, they would play in the competition because the Japanese are supporting them, right? So how do we help the Southern Hemisphere create a club competition that creates revenue and, B, keep our people in our zone? I'm sick of hearing about these millionaire Northern Hemisphere owners that are, you know, paying our players so that we actually have to give them sabbaticals and do all those other things to retain them. Why can't we create something here in the Southern Hemisphere that we attract the north? Hemisphere <laughs> down? You imagine if you imagine if we had, you know, a couple of Frenchmen playing for the Blues? Oh, That's what we need. Abs- That's what
2: we need to absolutely Absolutely. Look at Pablo Mantella coming and playing for the Crusaders. But But, Goldie, think back to when Michael Jordan was playing for Chicago Bulls. And, and why don't we do some sort of cool intro to our players coming out on the field, like they did with the Chicago Bulls, you know, where they had serious playing over the loudspeaker, and then all of a sudden they announce it. Scotty Pippen, you know, Luke Longley, Dennis Rodman. We just it, running out of the blues. Why don't we line them all up and bring them out one at a time? You're starting first
0: five for the blues is Bombing. You just say, ladies and well, gentlemen, here's the blues. Well you, you them, five well, music. I they love that music. I uh, you do love that music. And and but and you're right, and you're right. That creation the creating the atmosphere and you know, like I I think there's there's so many things we look at and and I suppose at the moment there's an element of we've had two years of disruption, um, which has certainly um, taken away from what we knew as super rugby and then the changes have been made. And I just, I'm just wondering, we start talking about these things. Have we got enough influence? Can we get together and make these changes? Um are we, How much are we answerable to world rugby? I don't know. Um, You know, uh, if I look at the competition itself and say Super Rugby, we've, we've actually, it, it actually appears to me that we've actually got a really nice starting point right now. Like if you talk about what we've done, we've, we've managed to make changes by bringing in two new teams. Is it ideal the way it's worked out? No. We haven't managed to find out what this competition might be because we haven't done the crossover. We haven't, they, you know, the Fiji and Drua haven't come to New Zealand. We haven't really got any momentum with it. So I, I get the sense for me that, that we won't know about this competition uh, this season. We really won't um we'll find out more about it next year um the other thing you mentioned jim which i thought was interesting was you start talking about number of game uh, games that players play and how they play and i got you to do some research for me yesterday which was which was great and and you talked about you need to see the best players out there you know and you know after long conversations i had last year with with the management and and, um conditioning teams around not just uh international Uh, Super Rugby sides was, what is the number? And the number, you know, the maximum number you start talking about is is 30, 30 big high-intensity games in a year. And I would look at that and go, I'm not sure we play that many, our top guys. I'm not sure we get to that number. Um, You know, when you think about, what, there was 15 Test matches last year, the most probably anyone would have played is 12 or 13 of those. It was a truncated Super Rugby season. And this is to, the reason I bring this up is the fact that J.K., you've talked about this a lot. Is it a case we need to train less and play more? Train less and play more? The fact, you know, they're forever talking about, well, it's not about the number of games. It's about the workload and training load and impacts. And, you know, we start here and we start there. And and you go, well... There's two arguments there, mate. What's that? You've got two arguments. Well, there's plenty so, of arguments. We we've yeah, plenty, plenty of angles, but I just thought this one in particular for me is. Your two arguments are this: um,
1: the only people that give a shit about how many games the players make is the southern hemisphere because we're trying to retain our players. You go north, you play 48 games. not, not now. you're used to. You're okay, used to. You play 40, but you play whatever the president wants you to play, otherwise you don't get paid, right? We have come down to player, and I agree with it. Don't get me wrong. If I was a modern player, I'm all for this. We in the Southern Hemisphere are trying to work out ways to retain our players, and one of those is limiting their games, right? So the second thing is that the world needs to decide so that we're all equal, right? The world needs to decide what's the best thing for the player. And if it's 35 games, that's it, 35 games, Right? And so the whole world is equal. The trouble is that, you know, you see these guys, they're standing down and the fans don't get to see the players. Then you see them go up north and they play 40 games. You go, well, what happened about that? So it needs to be an international rule for the safety of the players. Full stop. That's where world rugby can show some leadership. That way we're not using the retention of our players and trying to keep them by saying, well, if you stay in New Zealand, you'll earn this much, but you'll only play 28 games. So you get four extra years in in your career. That's why they're doing it, right? So let's make, let's say to Bill Beaumont, make that an international rule so that we're all even. So then the then the presidents in the northern hemisphere can't pay their players for forty games because we're we're always talking about the safety of our players, and I am the first one to do it. But let's make it an international rule, so everyone has to stick to it, and then you have to rest guys right across the world, and fans get used to it, and it becomes part of the strategy. But I wanted to get back to the to the other thing. I believe that the fans vote with their feet, right? So, COVID, I don't think we can judge this, but over the last five years, the fans of Super Rugby have voted with their feet. Are they turning up or leaving?
0: Well, they're not allowed in at the moment. But to be fair, you look across the board, there's no doubt the averages in terms of crowds had reduced across the country immeasurably.
1: So, Northern Hemisphere, how are they going?
0: Yeah, they're going good
1: right so i am i when i ask these questions i get the the answer back from most of the ceos saying oh there's a downturn in world sport it's a problem for everyone and i'm going okay what is the percentage and where do we sit because i firmly believe we have and i agree with jim like you talk to you talk to any administrator in rugby they think they are in charge of the world's gold <laughs> you know oh we can't say that the, the opposition if they find out your rugby team on a Tuesday right it doesn't change the result for God's sake <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not over ourselves and realize that if we don't find out if we find out two days before that Bowden's not playing and we tell the fans it's not going to change the result on Saturday. But I remember holding a, a, a world secret around our game, you know.
2: When um, when Steve Hansen took over the Canterbury team, he decided that he was going to name the team publicly 30 minutes before kickoff. <clears throat> there was a pesky journalist there uh, who was at the time living in Wellington and working for the Dominion who went to New Zealand Rugby and to the TAB and to a few others, and that got turned around pretty quickly. Uh, but he, he was completely paranoid like that. There's a couple of points. You make good points, J.K., we play at coliseums in New Zealand, don't we? We play at our standard rugby coliseum, and sometimes they're no longer fit, fit, fit for purpose. If you look at English rugby, they play at much smaller grounds. They play some of their grounds, 16,000 people. So it's really boutique, it's really intimate, and and it must be great for the players, and, and it would be a lot more financially viable uh, for the um, for the for, uh, the club or the province or whatever it might be. and we play at Eden Park, the Blues and Auckland both play at Eden Park. It seats 50,000 people. I can't think of the last time it was sold out for either one of those two teams. Um, But you go back to, to if you want to get people into grounds, one way to do it, well, there's two things. Do you play exciting attacking footy and you have superstars in your team and you allow them to be superstars? And I'll crank on about it again. When the Hurricanes in 2000 went to the stadium, They had 15,000 season ticket holders and they averaged 27,500 to a game and they did not win the competition. But they played at a cool stadium and they played exciting attacking rugby and people wanted to get along and be part of the experience. Be part of the experience. If they won, that was cool, but it was exciting to see them play. I mean, sometimes they turned up for the opposition. There was a full house when Rupini Thao and scored four tries against the Hurricanes. And after about 20 minutes, walked off the field, literally just walked off the field. Job done. I'm going to go sit down. And we're sat down. <laughs> we we you
1: know. A personality. He's a personality.
2: But we're not allowed to have personalities in the game at the moment because the Players Association says you've got to have three of them at the one time if they do a promo. Heaven forbid that you think that uh, Bowden Brown or Richie Moanga is more publicly attractive than a tight-head prop you know, to pick on a tight-head prop. So we That's, need to realise it's entertainment and it's marketing.
0: Yeah. And, and look, I'm gonna, we're going to work hard over the next week, aren't we, Jim, to get Mark Robinson on on, on a podcast and have a chat to him and, and you know, uh, and ask these questions about the visions that they're seeing from from the north and whether or not, you know, our, our concerns are, certainly we believe are viable, but also, I mean, one of those things you talked about for me, JK, is, is that, you know, didn't they say the new currency was information and data and everything like that? You know, that's what they said the new currency was. And bottom line, we don't share enough of it. We don't share enough and talk enough about it. We don't include enough people into, into things so they feel a part of it. We, like to your point, we don't promote and put things clear and, and, and in front of people and, go, and make them accessible. And I get all these things. There are challenges, and the players, you know, in the same as they have their own responsibilities. And, but I, I just get the sense right now. You know that we're, we are well and truly at some. You would have to say, J.K. Jim. Just lastly, before I want to quickly touch on the one game we do have this weekend, is that this is we're at a tipping point, right? We're at, a, we're at a you know point now where we need to change the course of of one voting the vote the voting of our feet, the fans voting with their feet. We need to change the course to inspire once again, and everybody's talking about, it, you know, and this is where the strongest leadership needs to happen that we've ever had across this game from the very very top right through but here's the thing in the to your point jk in the best interests of everybody not just everyone's own little pocket and bubble there will have to be some sort of give and take you know and and that's where we're at right now that we haven't reached that point where maybe they're just we've got to ask them they have to be mature enough to go and and, and negotiate the right things in the best interest of the game. And I'm even saying this is even at the top. This goes all the way down to our community game because sacrifices need to be made.
1: Voce de corredoio. Do you want one? Yeah, I love one. one. I love them. So the voce de corredoio that I've found out just in the last few days, so whispers in the corridor, which could be true or not true, the reason why Silver Lake and CBC have bought our games is because they can see exactly what we're selling. A opportunity to engage the fan better, the opportunity to create better competition that is going to increase the revenue of the game on a worldwide basis. My only fear of that. So all the things we're talking about, Silver Lake have looked at it and gone, shit, Look at the growth here. If we can engage the fans, like Jim said, if we can create something. The only fear I do have is we do need to create this second tier business model, and we need to decide on it very quick strategically, and we need to put it in place and leave it there for twenty years. Like soccer has not changed for twenty years, people, and so people know what's going on. They know exactly the date where the for Cup final is. They know that it's going to be put round Europe, so they start booking. Oh, it's going to be in Portugal next year. You know, people love the Six Nations because. It's there. I mean, same with American sport. Everyone knows when the Super Bowl is, everyone knows when the, the you know, when the playoffs are. You know, everyone's looking forward to the playoffs. I mean, the playoffs, I don't know, you're a basketball fan. I watched a bit of basketball the other day. And everyone's loving I mean, they talk about the Lakers because they're so shit and they've got a superstar side and they're and they're wondering where they're gonna make the top eight. I mean, like and, and then and there's all this thing around it, Jim. Like you said, you know, LeBron James goes out the other day. And he, and he scores as many points as his age or something. I don't know. He scored 50, did it twice in a week. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so there's the side story about, you know, the bronze trying to send messages to the team. And there's this whole media frenzy around it. But it also about going to be the top eight, you know. And there's like, it's, it's just beautiful. To, I'm more interested. I don't hear anything about my game from week to week, right? I don't hear anything. I don't hear. This or that, I don't hear about. You know, I want to know how Artie Sevier's clothing company's going. I want to know how he's going in business. I want to, you know, I want to know all this stuff because I'm a fan. A, and my dog
0: agrees with you. The dog agrees. That's uh, inspiring, J.K. All of a sudden, you've just lifted the environment around. Before we before we go, um, and I love this debate because in and, and, and this chat, we've managed to get one Super Rugby game here in New Zealand. Uh, off the ground Um, and it changed so many times so Moana Pacifica are playing the Chiefs this week at Mount Smart Stadium I've got that right right I've changed it so many times in my head I'm thinking to myself I am right their first First home game first home game at Mount Smart Stadium Um, great for them the Chiefs have still got um, some COVID in their environment but they feel comfortable they've got this game um, that they can play it uh Uh, another big moment for Moana Um, of course we haven't seen any sides yet, it's Thursday the team's come out yet, maybe they just have finally worked out who's fit and available Um, good thing, bad thing, right thing to do?
1: Look, I think we've just got to carry on mate, COVID, Omicron um, I think the European sides have have just had to get on with it, You you know everyone's worried about points and all that sort of stuff there's a bigger picture here. You know, we've got Omnicrom. We've just got to get through another season the best way. So if teams can field sides, let's play. If they can't, let's try and get them as well as quick as possible and address that moving forward. So it's just a special moment in all our lives, right? Um, and we've just got to go, well, let's do our best and let's try and sustain our sport during a really difficult time.
2: It's really important that wider Pacifica get this game done because they've already got three that have been postponed. If a fourth was postponed, that would be catastrophic for them. They're up against it anyway. Uh, and we're going to see them have to play three midweek games. So really, really important. And hopefully there's a big crowd at Mount Smart because they were hoping to tap into that into that community. Oh, there won't be any crowd. What am I talking about? No, crowd. there'll be no crowd. Yeah, yeah good point, good point. What? So um, that's a pity. Their first home game will
0: have no crowd. Uh, but even so, it'll be nice for them to run out at home. We, we, we've got their team. Uh, Moana Pacific have named their so. I've been a change. Christian has is coming at ten for um, for um, Lincoln McClutchy uh, Eddie now who's gone to the bench. They've made some changes, but they're well and truly fresh. I was just looking up on uh, on tribe, and uh, the Chiefs have just got the big blank. The, so we've got we've got one team that's been ready and preparing and ready to go. So this will be really interesting, <laughs> given where they were a couple of weeks ago, Moana. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this one because they show they we they could be a threat and they will actually be coming in probably better prepared, fresher in terms of actually a game a game um, freshness. So uh, and we saw what that did for them in Dunedin. I, I really I really do like this one. Um, I, you know, I, I mean it's just great. I'm going to be there. I think it's, we'll, I'll, I'll hear the hits firsthand once again. Um, but you know. I, For a team like the Chiefs, and I think one of the reasons they're desperate to play this game, right, is because they'll see this as there may be more cancellations going forward. So the Chiefs have gone, you know what, our best chances, we've got to get and play this game. Our best chance to get, you know, the the possibility of points is by us playing, regardless of who we've gotten available. Um, So for them to put their hand up, I see they wanted to make up the game. I know it's a tough one. We talked about it last week, whether or not they should be splitting the points, I don't know whether or not that's viable, um, you know, going forward from here. There's going to be obviously more games to make up, JK. Um, I am hearing that possibly the bye week that was um, going to be in there is probably going to go. Um, I haven't had that it confirmed. It's an easy decision,
1: Goldie. It's yep. an easy decision. You know, like, we just need to do... Look, I'm pretty relaxed about Moana Pacifica and Fiji Drua because what I want, what I, what I firmly believe is that this is a, this is a five to ten year journey. You know, um, so if, if I'm more for myself, five years, I'm hoping that there's test matches in Fiji, that the that the minor Pacifica have turned, based themselves back um, in in RP or, or in Nukulofa or whatever they decide to do, and the Fijian tour are based in Suva and they're really successful, and those both Samoa, Tonga, and Fiji are now pushing at the top eight of world rugby because that's the goal. So I think a bit of short-term pain. Um, get as many games as you can. Let's try this three games a week, and then we can reassess. You know, like it was with the NPC a few years ago, Goldie. That the guys said we love this because we don't have to train. You know, if you're a basketballer, you don't train;
0: no, you play. You, don't play,
1: you play, right? If you're a soccer player, like my my son, you know, he, he just played for a month, and they played uh, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. Now I know there's not the contact um, that we have in our game, but still, let's try. let's try that. Let's say we're going to have you know, and you're not allowed to train. We're just going to play, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday for for three weeks and see how it goes. Because Omnicrom, we're all making different sacrifices around our, and remember, we're talking about people's jobs. Okay. So, you know, why, why, why are people not putting up their, 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 um, you know, their team list because they are not fan centric. They, they could lose their jobs if they lose, you know, so it's a reality, isn't it? So, Often we talk about rugby, and but there are the, the other side of the coin, and I've been in this situation. You know, if you split your points and you're the Blues and you end up not making the playoffs because of it, people would lose their jobs. So there's a whole lot of complexity amongst it. So I think we need to take this season as we did last season. You know, no one's going to give us the respect of the Blues because we won a competition that they said wasn't really a competition. And this year's going to be the same until we get back to normal. So who cares? So if the Crusaders or the Chiefs win... All the, all the Highlanders actually win a game, Goldie, you
0: know. You keep reminding, so you've got to be careful, J.K., you keep reminding people that it was half a competition last year. You've got to stop saying that. You've, got, you've just got to just say. Well, look, the criticisms were true. We still won the
1: competition, but the reality is during COVID, you just got to go, well, no one can take that away from us. No. But this year will be the same. Whoever wins this one, it wasn't a real comp. And they can hold up the trophy and it'll be the Blues are going to probe. But it doesn't really matter because the bigger issue is we are living through a pandemic, right? So yes. let's take this time to reset. What I don't want to happen next year when we get back to normal is we haven't learned anything from this.
2: Defending champs. Defending champs. I think
1: that is us.
0: I do, wish, I do hope that though the, the teams, the, the Fiji and Drua are, are based in Nandi. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. Rather the, I, don't get me wrong, I've enjoyed going to server but Lotoka. Let's upgrade that stadium there. Dinner would be very, very nice. Just a little wee drive up the road. Um, Look, I'm there. looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to as it always. Another. I mean, there are, and, and I, I, tell you what, things are piquing my interest across the Tasman, which it is, which is, you know, for me to say that is a big thing. Um, uh, uh the Drua have got, uh, I think they have got the force this weekend. And the Reds have got the Brumbies. So I think we'll go have a bit of a chat about that next week, about where, where their, their, their competition is right now because the Drew might get a, another win. And what you could see is you could see who is the real contender out of the Reds and Brumbies. It's in Canberra. It's in Canberra. JK, guess what, mate? You can just sit back and relax now. Put that hour behind you. Put behind you. Go back to the, you know, the ninth. Uh... Uh... Mate, that that well and really that, that's Jim Kay signing out. He's signing off. He's I nice. just <laughs> <laughs> finish
1: with one thing? Um, I love these conversations and what I want more in rugby is I don't have the answers. I don't know what the answers are. I love listening to other people's opinions, but I think we need to have a stronger strategic discussion around our game and then make some, bring some fans into it. So, look, I, I, I get really passionate about this because I'm really concerned about the game, and I love the game. The game gave me everything. But I certainly don't think my opinions are right. And when we have these conversations, even though it is Germany and he annoys the hell out of me, I go away and think about this stuff. And that's what I want to create. We've got to create discussion because I don't think our game is as healthy as it should be at the moment.
0: Let's see if we can get jo- uh, Mark Robinson on and find out what's happening in the Northern Hemisphere. Thanks, guys. Thanks, JK. Thanks, Jim. Talk next week.